0: Hello and welcome to the development podcast from the World Bank. Coming to you from Washington, DC, I'm Srimati Sridhar. In this special episode, we'll be bringing you highlights from the 2023 World Bank IMF annual meetings, which just wrapped up in Marrakesh, Morocco. During these meetings, the World Bank unveiled its new vision to create a world free of poverty on a livable planet. Ajay Banga, president of the World Bank Group, spoke about the bull's ambition.
1: The truth is, we cannot endure another period of emission-heavy growth. We must find a way to finance a different world where our climate is protected, where pandemics are manageable, if not preventable, where food is abundant and fragility and poverty are defeated.
0: How can this be achieved while addressing conflict, climate change, poverty and debt? What are the no regrets
2: actions that will help us write a better story for the next 50 years? Investment in strong economic foundations and
0: investment in international cooperation. We'll also be getting the views from global leaders tackling these challenges head on.
3: The policies, economic policies and financial policies are those that also contribute to women empowerment from businesses that are
0: using climate smart technologies and hearing why time is running out to protect future generations.
4: The truth is the world is on fire for children. It is a desperate situation and the urgency I think of all of us is to say, we have to address this and we have to address it now.
0: All that and more coming up on this special annual meetings edition of the development podcast. annual meetings were held against a backdrop of intertwined global challenges. Climate change, conflict, high debt levels. Ajay Banga, president of the World Bank Group, said the institution has a new playbook to tackle these priorities.
1: So our task is great. And looking across the world, it can become easy to be consumed by a sense of despair. Yet in all corners of the globe, people are eager to go to work. They want to create with their own hands. They want a better life for their children and their grandchildren. The bank has an obligation, in fact a duty, to match their energy with a fierce determination. We have to be the hand on their back, moving people forward. We must be an institution that exports optimism and impact. But we must change to make good on that promise and deliver on what is being demanded from us. And today there is a new vision and mission for the World Bank, and that is to create a world free of poverty on a livable planet. But time is of the essence. This urgency is what's motivating us to write a new playbook, a new mission, knowing that when development is delayed, development is denied. We are collaborating with partners to maximize impact. We are working side by side with the private sector. There are new frontiers to explore, like moving from small bespoke loans to large standardized investments that can be packaged. Do it right, and we can draw in institutional investors, pension funds, insurance companies, sovereign wealth funds, and put their $70 trillion to work in developing countries. Don't forget, we're not starting at square one. Every day, millions of people do their best to be part of the solution. There are real examples of action. In Nigeria, shopkeepers are using solar power to keep their shops open and medicine safe late in the evening. In Indonesia, I saw all these myself, by the way, mangrove rehabilitation efforts are reducing carbon emissions. They're creating sustainable employment for women. They protect communities from floods. In Vietnam, rice farmers are embracing new techniques that slash methane emissions while increasing incomes. We do not suffer from a shortage of solutions. We're just paralyzed by a persistent lack of courage to pursue them. The good news is that we have solutions like these within reach and resources at our disposal to scale them. For example, we can start by spending better. Every year, $1.25 trillion are spent on subsidies for fossil fuels, for agriculture and fisheries. Some of these are very important. They're very needed. But in other cases, we can all do better. The economic costs of fertilizer runoff unnecessary air pollution and overfishing is $6 trillion more dollars every single year. By repurposing some of this money, some, to incentivize sustainable practices, we can protect air, water, and forests, while continuing to support those most in need. Not all solutions are years away. We're in the final stages of a 20-year effort to build sound, transparent, voluntary carbon markets. This effort learns from the past to protect against greenwashing and ensure the integrity of emission reduction credits. And that assurance is a crucial piece of a complex puzzle.
0: Kristalina Georgieva, Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, echoed the sentiment that there are numerous challenges and we face an uncertain and unpredictable time. And she explained how the world can navigate these challenges to create a better future for all. The recovery from the shocks is slow and
2: uneven. Slow because at 3% growth is currently well below the average of the last two decades before the pandemic and medium term growth prospects are also the weakest in decades. Uneven because the economic scarring from the recent shocks is vastly different across countries with emerging markets and developing countries clearly the hardest hit. After a long period of economic convergence, a dangerous divergence between countries and regions has emerged, made worse by fragmentation, climate change, and fragility, which has left many countries at the breaking point. This is especially the case here on the African continent, home of the world's youngest population. Progress in closing the income gap with more advanced economies and generating job-rich growth will be vital over the next 50 years. So in this moment of radical uncertainty, what are the no regrets actions that will help us write a better story for the next 50 years? Investment in strong economic foundations and investment in international cooperation. In an environment with weak medium-term growth prospects, the right policies and reforms are essential. Price stability is key. It is a prerequisite for growth, and it protects people, especially the poor. This means the fight against inflation remains paramount. So is safeguarding financial stability. Prudent fiscal policy is more important than ever. Why? Because debt and deficits are well above pre-pandemic levels. The time has come to restore fiscal space. This means tough decisions for governments. The right package of reforms could boost output levels by up to 8% in four years. But the highest return of all comes from investing in people, especially education, to ready the young people, including those right here in Africa, for the
0: jobs of tomorrow. And away from the main stage events, we got some amazing insights from experts and thought leaders in our digital zone. Anna Bierde, Managing Director for Operations at the World Bank explained what it will take to achieve ending poverty on a livable planet and what we mean by a better bank.
5: So sometimes people ask me, since the SDGs are off track, should we change them? my view is no we have to keep the ambition level and that's also what the world bank is doing through its new playbook we have to step up ambition and then in order to reach the ambition we need to change Mm -hmm. and we need to change in the sense of how we operate how we deliver our uh, support to countries around the world, and we need to change in how our financial capacity allows us to do that. And perhaps most importantly, we need to work together. And this is why I really like the emphasis on partnerships, other banks for us, but also development partners around the world, civil society, everybody. So we have uh, articulated a new vision for the World Bank, which is uh, much more ambitious than the one we have. Uh, And that is to end poverty on a livable planet. And that livable planet part is so important because that brings in squarely all the global challenges we're facing today. And ending poverty, of course, is for us non-negotiable. That is what we are about. So a much more ambitious goal again, coming back to that. And then uh, on uh, changing and becoming better, it's about becoming quicker. It's about reaching scale and it's about getting impact sooner our projects otherwise and our support can take a long time we want to shorten that and bigger well it's about really having more financial capacity because that's how we work and being able to offer concessional support to countries that need it the most
0: in tanzania zanzibar has made huge strides towards education for all and empowering its female population Sara Saloum, Minister of State for Finance and Planning, told the World Bank's Miriam Gray more about the island's successes and ambitions, and why investment in the blue economy is critical to its future.
3: Zanzibar being an island means that we have to cope with all aspects of climate change management. For people to actually live in Zanzibar, have to have adequate access to food, but also we have to have access of uh, infrastructure, but education is also important, particularly a guard education. Zanzibar is a home of around two million population, in which 52% women and girls and uh, we have quite a number of uh, 15 to 34 year age in which is a young age so to have infrastructure on education is really important but also health as well as clean and safe water to us poverty means also not to have access to health Uh, to us uh, poverty means not to have access to education and all those areas Where there are challenges, we actually need to address them.
4: So Tanzania has made an incredible progress
5: in poverty Mm -hmm. alleviation, and especially in the education and women empowerment.
3: What advice do you have for other countries in these two areas? Uh, Women empowerment has has to be across all the sectors. Uh, When you empower women, uh, not only uh, you empower her to have access of economic means, but also the society Mm -hmm. uh, behind her. We have what we call the blue economy. The blue economy means that we have to take advantage of the resources surrounding us. Uh, We have quite a substantial uh, number of women engaging in seaweed farming, in which uh, the government is believed that to enhance those women, we have around uh, around 50,000 women in, in, in that. And we have uh, capacitated them by providing them with the facilities and equipment mm-hmm. necessary for them mm-hmm. to be in that in, in the sector. We are now facing a kind of challenging moment where they, we have quite a number of women are dying from reproductive or ch- mm-hmm. challenging sector. We have been, uh, constructed around 11 district hospitals mm-hmm. in Zanzibar, mm-hmm. which have not been there. And that is in a span of only one year. I'm the second Minister of Finance in the history of Zanzibar since 1964. But I have that obligation to ensure that the policies, economic policies and financial policies are those that also contribute to women empowerment.
0: Now, the complexity of global challenges means that no one institution can solve issues alone. Stronger partnerships between organizations are crucial. The World Bank Senior Managing Director Axel von Trotzenberg spoke alongside UNICEF's Executive Director Catherine Russell about the importance of partnerships and of the impact of COVID-19 and climate change on children.
4: Well, when you think about it, children really are the most vulnerable in any society. And so what we've seen over the last few years, because of COVID, but not only because of COVID, is that the the systems that children rely on have been so disrupted. Children are losing incredible amounts and have lost incredible amounts of education. We're estimating two thirds of 10 year olds in the world can't read a simple sentence or do a simple math computation. Millions of children didn't get their immunizations or routine immunizations and millions of children, and this is an issue that we work on together, were pushed into poverty. And so for them, that just makes their lives so much more difficult, so much more miserable. And I think for us, for UNICEF and, and for the bank and others, we're trying to think about ways that we can help these children because everyone talks about children are the future, but really children are the future, right? And if they're not taken care of what kind the future do we expect for the world uh, the World Bank is not only about money, it is
6: about the knowledge, it is about the development mm-hmm. practices. We're building actually on, on on decades of analytical work and that helps to really understand the problems but also helps to inform how we do better operations on this. The most important thing is what we have been raising also as a result of the COVID crisis is that extreme poverty has been increasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, are, we are looking at two dec- uh, decades where we really made huge progress in reducing extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. Covid has, has reversed this. Yeah. This is dramatic if we don't act. And if we don't see this whole value chain, mm-hmm. what, what is our future, then we're missing something. And and so I think what we have to raise jointly, and, and you are extremely good at that, that UNICEF is the fight for children. essentially the human rights, and then basically what the World Bank has to do, is to say how we can be complementing it. Mm -hmm. When you say, well, the World World Bank can do, we can only do that uh, together with government, with the communities, Mm -hmm. and then with other multilateral partners, so that Mm -hmm. together we have at least a fighting chance. Right now we are
4: running a losing battle. And it is in need for reversal. These challenges are so difficult for children, and sometimes children get lost in the mix. What we see certainly, COVID has had a devastating impact on children. Immunizations are down. Education is challenged. All the rest of it. Um, but I think you know we, we also know that the the challenges of climate are real in communities. We see that every day. We know that that has a real impact on children. Just as an example, because their bodies are smaller, they're more susceptible to So if they were here, they would be melting as we are. It's very warm. And children don't sweat. So they don't, they don't, they're not able to release that. They're also more vulnerable to air pollution, right? So children in all of these categories that you raise are so, so vulnerable. And I think we have to keep them at the center of our thinking, the center of our work. Partnerships are absolutely critical to that, right? Because no agency, UNICEF, I mean, I take pride in being associated with it. They're fantastic, do great work. World Bank is fantastic, but no organization in the world can handle all of these problems alone. There are just too many problems. And I, I think that the key to the partnership question is we all bring different skills and resources to bear, but I think working together it's the only hope we have for making a better future for children. Partnerships
6: are key. I would mention a couple of key uh, areas is urgency. Urgency to act. Move beyond the rhetoric. Do the real partnership. We need to act. We need to uh, break down barriers. We did that recently with pandemic preparedness with the WHO. That you can bring very operational yeah. partnerships. Can we deliver? Can we actually produce the results? And and I think there's more is needed. And finally. It will have also to involve money. And so, increased commitments, whether that is together with the private sector or with the public sector.
4: I love when he said, when Axel said that we need to bring urgency to this. And I think that that is the most important thing because the truth is, the world is on fire for children. It is a desperate situation. And the urgency, I think, of all of us is to say, we have to address this and we have to address it now because children are children for a short period of time. And if you lose them, right, you don't get them back. And that's the case in nutrition, education, all sorts of challenges. We need to recognize as a world that these children are in desperate need and we need to do better by them.
0: The private sector is another crucial component when we talk about ending poverty on a livable planet. So how can finance be sustainable? Bill Winters, the CEO of Standard Chartered Bank, gave us some insights on this and how he sees a just transition.
7: First of all, the whole idea of a just transition, it's surprisingly controversial. Clearly there's there's a a very vocal subset of the global uh, population uh, that is less concerned about just and more concerned about transition and sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Given where Standard Chartered operates across Africa, Asia, Middle East, absolutely critical for us that that we're affecting the transition to a zero-carbon economy, but in a way that allows for underlying economic growth to continue. And I know that that's a core mission of the the World Bank Bank Group as well. Uh, So we share that together. Uh, But there's there's, uh, many, many ways that the public and private sector are working together to get some really impactful things done. Now, I'll take some of the projects that that we've completed, whether they're very, very, very large uh, renewable power projects. and in Africa or in India or in the the Middle East, uh, where we've brought together export credit agencies, so so public sector at a government level, at a single country level, multilateral development banks, global capital markets, together with with perhaps banks or or other private sector lenders, uh, into a financing package where the risk is apportioned to the person that's in the best position to actually manage that risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the political risk may be best taken on by, by insurers or, or by the World Bank Group. Uh, some of the construction risk may be best taken on by an export credit agency type lender. Uh, some of the, the capital markets or foreign exchange risk might be best taken on by a private sector lender, et cetera. And so there's many examples of, of where that public-private partnership has worked. Prospectively, I'll look at, at some of the super high impact programs like the, the JETPs, the, the Just Economic Transition uh, Partnerships. Uh, that have been led by uh, the UK, the EU, the US uh, in really important markets for us, like Indonesia uh, and Vietnam, where I I think these are prototype projects that involve some some really novel financing structures as well around the uh, the monetization of of effectively carbon credits that come about as a result of of terminating coal-fired power plants much earlier than their productive life, so maybe 15 or 20 years off the back end of the life of these projects. That's a necessary, it's a critical component, actually, to decarbonizing mm-hmm. the economy. But somehow we have to find the money to pay for that. Exactly. And these jet peas, where the, the private sector, organized largely through GPANS, through which is this, this, this financial services sector group, which has come together. I'm, I'm a principal in that group. The Net Zero Banking Alliance, which Standard Chartered chairs, uh, where we are positioning private sector capital alongside prescribed public sector capital mm-hmm. to deliver these really impactful climate reduction initiatives.
0: We also heard about how businesses are piloting exciting climate solutions. Hidas Asfau is an Ethiopian entrepreneur whose company converts recycled plastics into sustainable building materials. He explains more.
8: So Cubic is an environmental technology company. Uh, Mm -hmm. Our mission is to build dignity through clean and affordable living for all. Mm -hmm. How we do this is by recycling hard to uh, recycle plastic waste and converting it into low carbon and low cost building materials. Mm -hmm. Because one of the biggest priorities that municipalities have all over the world is to reduce waste, increase the affordability of housing, mm-hmm. all while being able to be a solution in climate change. Uh, we're seeing the gap between the need mm-hmm. and the supply of affordable housing growing every day. Mm-hmm. Just in Sub-Saharan Africa, over a hundred million housing units are actually needed. Mm-hmm. And one of the critical issues right now is that real estate developers who are the linchpin for making this happen, don't see the business proposition to actually engage in affordable housing projects because Mm -hmm. materials are very expensive. What we do is make them our client Mm -hmm. and give them anywhere from 30 to 50% discount on these building materials that they're used to, also that they're incentivized to to address this massive problem all over the world. We need a livable planet and Mm -hmm. that comes down to people having the opportunity and choice Mm -hmm. of how and where they live. The more that we scale as a business, We are reducing plastic waste. Mm -hmm. We are making very beautiful homes a lot more affordable to everyone, Mm -hmm. all while making the most polluting sector, which is real estate, less polluting over time. We need to decarbonize cities. Mm -hmm. And it's once we do that, that this massive issue around climate change could also be addressed.
0: So as we've heard in this episode, the interlocking crises affecting the world cannot be addressed in isolation, and they're going to require creativity and partnerships across the board. To end our snapshot of some of the conversations from this year's World Bank IMF annual meetings, let's hear again from World Bank Group President Ajay Banga.
1: We have inherited decades of knowledge. We have benefited from the generosity of every nation. And now when we're called upon to lead, I believe we have never been better positioned to deliver the progress that is demanded of us.
0: And on that powerful note, and what has been an unveiling of the World Bank's ambitious new vision, that's a race around this year's World Bank IMF annual meetings in Morocco. While we provided highlights of topics and conversations, there is still so much more available online, and we encourage you to check it out on World Bank Live or live.worldbank.org. As always, share your thoughts, questions, and suggestions with us. We are at the thedevelopmentpodcast at worldbank.org. We also have a survey, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts from. And listen out for a very special episode next month, where we'll be bringing you the first in a series about ending poverty on a livable planet. If you have any thoughts on that, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, goodbye.